Hello and welcome to the second episode of our cricket podcast. Uh, my name's Tom Grundy and I'm joined again by my faithful assistant Mike Brown. Good to have you here again. No problem. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me back second week. I was, I was a bit touch and go if I was going to come back, but uh, reached, obviously reached the target. So. Yeah, we got 25 views. Did more we? or less than you expected. It's about 23 more and I <laughs> thought the other two would be us. So, uh, so yeah. yeah. Well, we have got a name. Uh, not a too catchy name, but we've come up with one anyway. The bowling attack. I see what you've done there. Two seam bowlers. <laughs> Two I like seam that. bowlers. Yeah. yeah, I'm not a big fan of it, but it will do for now. A um, few things that have caught our eye this week. Well, I've been at Edgebaston uh, watching Warwickshire versus Nottinghamshire in Division One of the County Championship. I made my debut in the press box, which was very entertaining. And I was treated to a very good match as well. High quality cricket. Um, anything that's caught your eye this week? Oh, plenty this week. I was still got. We've got the big test series starting this week. Five tests, England, India. We've got plenty to talk about of that. Um, what else? Well, Flintoff came back as he well. He did, yes. Flintoff played again. Took a few wickets against my trusty Worcestershire lads, so yeah, I'm not, yeah. not too sure about that one. Um, Mr Vincent, Lou Vincent in the press as well this week. Yeah, as we like to do here as well, we'll be making plenty of predictions. It seems to be one of the... One of the fun things we can do to actually take up a bit of time on these podcasts, making a few predictions about who we think will score the most runs, take the most wickets in the uh, in the upcoming England-India series. Uh, also, we've listed a few teenagers from world cricket to watch, just a bit more fun for us as well to do in the week. Um, and in a second, when we come back from a break, we'll also be rounding up our own predictions from last week and see how they went in Divisions 1 and 2 of the County Championship. Right, so there was a little bit of success with our predictions this week. I don't think any of us, uh, any of us, kind of in the sport of it, actually went for many draws. And we thought with the weather around, the good weather, there might be some results forced. Uh, but the draws kind of uh, put pay to us getting full marks this week. I'll start with me and my uh, Division One predictions. Warwickshire, Nottinghamshire. First of all, I did predict a Warwickshire win, and uh, indeed they did win. Um, it wasn't straightforward, but they did. Lancashire-Somerset was one of the draws I was talking about. I went for a Lancashire win, so nothing there for me. And Middlesex-Northants, uh, another big scoring draw, and I predicted a Middlesex win. So, yeah, one one, one point to you there. So, uh, as you say, you mentioned you went up to Warwickshire not, so fairly fairly good game to pick to go and watch. Uh, up and down. I, I did think at one stage your prediction of Warwickshire was looking... Uh, like it was in trouble, but they managed to pull it out of the bag on late on day th- day three. Yeah. yeah, well, naturally, being a Warwickshire fan, a lot of the things I was kind of looking at and a few things I've blogged about were very kind of Warwickshire central. Um, and indeed, as you said, they did get a win from somewhere, even though a lot of the members, as the days were going on, were moaning that uh, kind of the glory days of the last year or two had perhaps started to disappear for Warwickshire. Um, they're now back to third in the table, uh, and of course we're pre-season favourites as well with some bookmakers. Having said that, the biggest question um, from a more impartial position that comes out of the game is how how did Nottinghamshire mess it up? Uh, day one, on which Alex Hales batted absolutely brilliantly. Um, Red Bull cricket, which hasn't really been his forte for a couple of years. He had a really bad season last last season in the first class game. Absolutely brilliantly, left the ball well and punished at any width, as you see him doing in the 2020 and and the 50-over game against what, reputation-wise, was a pretty special special bowling attack from Warwickshire. But um, the Nottinghamshire, the Nottinghamshire middle order and uh, tail end collapsed from I think 395 for six to about 
well, I'm not sure what they were all out in in the end. I think it was just a little over 400, um, which is really ridiculous, actually. I think uh, I think the lower order will be, will be reflecting on that and see that was one of the positions they lost the game. Uh, it, yeah, they hadn't had a 50 partnership or so for a few games as well, I think was one statistic. And Chris Wright and Chris Woke saved them on day two as well. So, um, talking about Hales there, first time you've seen him in first-class game? First time I've seen um, him live, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Estimations gone at them by the signs of things? Well, people I was talking about in the in the press box, um, they warned me that if he got going, it was a real, real pleasure to watch. Uh, we had a little chat with him as well. He seemed really at home with his game. And as I said, um, playing on one side of the wicket, his characteristic driving was just unbelievable. One end on the short boundary, one, one end with the ball speeding away across the square... Uh, he really, he really punished anything that was over pitched, and and as I said, he he, he left well. I mean, Peter Siddle was bowling for Nottinghamshire, big reputation. Tested him out with the short ball, um, and other than one or two moments, where he looked a little flustered, he made a real big hundred. So yeah, it was a real special knock actually. Certainly something for England selectors for the one day to have a look at. You think? Yeah, there? I think he must. I think he must come in. Um, I mean, where you, where you fit him in around Cook and Bell, there's obviously a couple of months till the next one day, I don't know, but he, he has to play a part with the World Cup looming. Um, and there were a few other performances as well. Chris Woke, someone who's, who's had a hard time, people claiming he doesn't bowl with enough aggression, with enough pace. Well, he led the bowling attack, a bowling attack that's included a couple of internationals, Boyd Rankin, Jeetan Patel, and a couple of England Lions players as well who have taken 50 wickets in the past in the season. He was really leading them, and other than a couple of short, sharp spells from Rankin, he looked by far the quickest of the of the Warwickshire bowlers. Um, his first-class stats stack up against any England all-rounder, including and post Ian Botham. I'd like to see him give, given a go actually in this series. I think if you're going to replace Jordan, he perhaps gives gives more balance than Stokes, but we'll discuss that later in more depth. And. Much grumbling from the members in the press box on the first day. Boyd ranking seventh bowler used. Odd, odd. I think it, it's it's the classic case of a of a behind the scenes plan that's just taken too far. Um, the opening bowlers and the likes of Ricky Clark were obviously there to take advantage of the new ball, winning the toss and bowling. And I think Rankin had been set to bowl at the likes of James Taylor and Samit Patel in the middle orders, who sometimes struggled against the short ball. They stuck to that. He didn't come on until the 40, 43rd over. Um, but that wasn't the right thing to do. It was a no-win situation for Varun Chopra. Um, Rankin bowled well, and it looked bad on Chopra not bringing him earlier. If Rankin had bowled badly, then Warwickshire would have uh, would have looked in a worse and, position and as well. And whilst we're on the topic of struggling against the short ball, Mr Trot's return... It was had... good to see him back, and there were certainly some vintage moments. I think of a clip off Andre Adams, who's not bowling at the pace he, he once did. Uh, to the leg side, it was just it was just characteristic vintage trot really. So there's something there. I still believe if he has peace of mind off the pitch, which um, you know we're kind of led to believe he does at the minute. Uh, I think he'll score runs. He was tested by the short ball and looked at flustered once or twice, let's say, particularly on the fourth morning when he got out to a Peter Siddle bouncer. But again, you have to remember this is a test match bowler in Peter Siddle, albeit one that was part of the attack that worked him over in Brisbane in the winter. Um, but he's allowed to bowl a good ball, he's allowed to bowl a good bouncer and Trot certainly was on the end of one of those. I think when the first lot of runs come, he won't stop scoring runs, as I said, if peace of mind's there for him. Um, but Warwickshire could certainly do with a rock in the middle order. Um, albeit it was lovely to see him batting with Sam Hayne actually, as a kind of lot of similarities between the two of them. Come from playing under-19 cricket in other parts of the world, um, but their futures and their past hopefully 
uh, respectively are with England. Uh, and Sam Haynes showed a lot of maturity on that final day. Yeah, we, and we, I know we had a chat about it saying it's it's important for young lads and go, I think it's is it his sixth first class game and he's making important runs. He's mm. not making runs at the end of the season where it's all said and done. He's making it now with, with the crunch, with this game. You know, puts Warwickshire right back in the in the uh, championship mix. Yeah, so and Dougie Brown made a point in his interviews of saying the standard of Division One Championship cricket is so high now, probably as high as he's known it as a coach and as a player. Um, and you really do have to kind of look at the attacks that someone like Sam Haynes making these runs against. Peter Siddle, um, Luke Fletcher's a really good bowler actually. Samit Patel can 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 have his moments on final days. Um, Andre Adams, a wily, a wily bowler as well. Um, Ajmal Shazad not even getting in the team. So, yeah, it's, he's got a really big future ahead of him. But let's let's just kind of wait and see how that one plays out, I think. Um, but, yeah, going going on to the Div 2 predictions, you had a bit more success yeah, than me. Yeah, it looks like I take the lead 2-1 on predictions. Um, Surrey, Hampshire, I went for a Hampshire win. Uh, High-scoring draw, which Surrey was certainly in the ascendancy, but... Looked like a fairly flat pitch, good weather, and was a, was a draw in the end. Essex Gloucester, I went for an Essex win, which was an Essex win, uh, but I think ten ten wickets, almost almost by an innings. I think Essex had to bat for nine balls in there in the last innings to to get the win. Big performances. Jesse Ryder had a good game. Big hundred in the first innings. Maybe Bapara as well. Bapara, yeah, Bapara as well. Knocking on the door, you know. It's just whisperings again about him there. Cert- isn't certainly won't go away, Bapara. Um, yeah. So yeah, good all-round performance from Essex. Fairly comfortable win. Uh, again, a comfortable win for Worcester um, against Glamorgan. It was fairly even after the first innings. I think Worcester had a Worcester had a lead of about thirty. Uh, batted batted well in the second in their second innings. Uh, and Ajmar came to the fore when they needed to take 10 wickets on the last day and picked up 7 for. Yeah. So After the passing of Damien Dolivera as well, it's quite poignant to see uh, Tom Fell and Tom Cole Cadmore, two graduates of, of the Worcester Academy, come through and score That's right, yeah. Well. Fell, 100 and first team's Cole Cadmore, 85. Big partnership together. And, and with Ajmal leaving in the coming weeks as well, they're going to have to. Well, they're going to sustain this promotion push. They're going to have to rely on a bit more homegrown right. talent as well. I think as well. I've read somewhere this week that it was the twenty-second consecutive championship game that Worcestershire have taken full bowling points, and also of those twenty-two games, only eight of them have had Ajmal in the team. So okay. other players do do step up when he's not there. Again, I was impressed with Charlie Morris. Picked up the other three wickets of the ten in the second innings. Bowled well. His economy rate is going at consistently going under two and over. And he, you know, for a guy in his first first full season with with the counties, making great progress. Yeah, definitely. Well, that's kind of what what, what we've been watching this week in the county championship. Um, not too much success with our predictions. We'll try again later and we might be throwing the draw in the mix this, this week, I imagine. There's a bit of rain about maybe this week as well. Yeah, so. definitely. Well, well, when we come back, we'll preview the England uh, versus India test series, five test series as well, in about five and a half weeks, I think. So that'll, that'll kind of lead us on to discussing a lot more than perhaps we, we might have had to discuss from the Sri Lanka series. I mean, you certainly find out a lot more from these five test series. So please join us again in a moment. 
Welcome back to The Bowling Attack with me, Tom Grundy and Mike Brown. Um, the main part of today's show, we're going to be previewing the England-India Test Series that starts uh, on Wednesday the 9th of July at Trent Bridge. As I mentioned, five Test matches in just under six weeks, starting at Trent Bridge, moving on to Lords, the Aegeus Bowl in Southampton, Old Trafford and then finishing up as they always do this in our English summer at the Oval. Um, India have actually just come off, well, a win against Derbyshire in a three-day warm-up game. Uh, but without 10 wickets being taken in any of the innings, I think it was more of a run-out for their players more than anything. Um, first of all, the England squad being announced this week. Uh, the same 11 that finished against against Sri Lanka, as well as Chris Wokes and Ben Stokes. What do you make of that? No real surprises. Uh, there was obviously discussion about maybe England lacking a front-line spinner, but nobody put their hand up in the last round of championship games. So... We're going to stick with what they've got, and we'll be able to tell a lot more about it after this after mm. this series. I'd say, kind of the story of of the squad announcement went under the radar really because no everybody expected it to be what it was. So yeah, I mean, um, the one man whose place seems to be under threat, uh, Chris Jordan, he's been batting at eight and kind of having the role as the third or fourth seamer with Liam Plunkett. There's a lot of talk about Ben Stokes coming back into society. He grabbed the headlines in the winter with his 100 at Perth and he seems like a headline-grabbing cricketer. Of course, he did have his misdemeanours as well, punching that locker in the Caribbean. Does he seem like the right kind of fit for a number eight batsman role or would they have to juggle the, t- the team around to fit him in? Well, was he... He's obviously batted six, six in the Ashes. Scored his hundred from six. Mm. Um, but batted at three in the one days. Yeah. Three to set th- to seven in the one days. So. Yeah, and he tends to do five or six for Durham, really, doesn't he? He does. Yeah. Listen. I mean, God, he'd be a handy bloke coming in at eight. But would he be wasted at eight? It's... And would it be just a confusion of people's roles, which is one thing that certainly has led to disillusion about the England, England team in the past. Players not playing the same roles they play for their county. Um, the other man in the squad who we've mentioned already, Chris Wokes, someone I was really impressed with, averaging high 30s with the bat, low 20s with the ball, that's something that makes you kind of open your eyes playing in Div 1. Mm-hmm. Do you think he's being pigeonholed for the wrong reason? Uh, again, you know, would if he came in at 8, is that is he wasted at 8? Is... But is he, not the be- is he not a better bowler than Stokes is? Perhaps in English conditions against an English side. Conditions, yeah, you might be right. I I don't think there's much to choose between them. They've both they've both got their their big assets, which we all know about. Um, You know, I'm sure we'll talk about it a bit later. But the five tests in five and a half weeks, it's there's a lot of there's a lot of overs to be bowled in there, and with. Some players, you know, there's question marks about Broad. He spent quite a lot of time off the field in the last test against Sri Lanka. So I think yeah. I, could, I could see all 13 of this squad playing at some point and potentially maybe even having to call up others if 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 uh, there are injury strike or yeah. or things are things aren't going quite going right. But I, you know, I could see I could see Wokes getting a go. I could see. I th- I think they probably will go Stokes in the first test for the sake of Jordan, which you know Jordan will will rightly feel aggrieved. He's he's probably he probably didn't take the wickets or score the runs that that he would want to himself, but he didn't disgrace himself, and he he would feel quite hard done by to be dropped so yeah. soon after after just two tests. But um, we shall see on on Wednesday morning. What, yeah, what I they think go Wokes with. and Stokes too. Red ball cricketers who have perhaps been confused in the past as white ball specialists. Yeah. Certainly not the case. Whoever gets the call, I want to see an extended run for them. 
in this form of the game, I think Wokes in particular might surprise a few people if he did get an extended run in the side. Um, both as a kind of uh, understudy to Anderson, um, as a swing bowler, uh, who Anderson's shown that swing bowling can be alive around the world in any conditions, and also as a quality batsman as well. One thing that's kind of had a bit of discussion around the cricketing world this week, perhaps a bit of a dull topic, but an important one nonetheless, uh, the pitches that we might come across in this series. Um, I think anyone will find it hard to deny the way the ECB uh, select the test grounds in this country, the importance of the finances from test match cricket as well. We're going to see a lot of chief executives pitches, aren't we? Not Not a lot for entertainment value or perhaps more importantly for kind of specialist English conditions. Yeah, especially with with grounds not not necessarily being a shoe in to get a test match of every series now. It's it's important that those five days of the test that they can sell out and almost I think almost a quarter of a million pounds from each day of test match cricket. So you know, a three day finish can essentially see people losing their jobs at a county if that's the case. You wouldn't want to be a groundsman, put it that way. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that may well play into the Indians' favour. Um, Ravi Ashwin, probably Jadeja as a second spinner as well. If these pitches are tired, five days, five day pitches that do get a bit slower and lower, if anything, after four or five days, and they'll come into their own. And the strong young Indian batting lineup will will also probably prosper in on the, the first few days as well. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Um, like you say, it's. The chief, the chief executive of these, you know, Not Nottingham, Trent Bridge, England, historically do well at Trent. Trent Probably Bridge. has the most bounce and atmospheric kind of conditions in England nowadays. I, 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 yeah, yeah but I think so. Think of Anderson's record. Anderson's there. record there. You know, we discussed Anderson's record at Headingley wasn't wasn't great in the last podcast. So, Trent Trent Bridge seems to be a. You know, a good home. Players like Broad play their cricket mm. there. Obviously, Swan, Swan used to be his home ground. I think, I think it does make a difference. You know, of the cricket we play as well. We go to we go to a ground, an away ground that you've historically done well at or you like, and it, it just seems to to give you that boost, a bit more confidence. Maybe yeah. you, you can remember good performances from that ground. And Lords doesn't necessarily seem to have have that for England. No, no. There's a there's a lot of big scores being made at Lords in Test Match Cricket and Domestic Cricket. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, England as well, so historically Edge Baston seems to be a good home for England, but uh, no Test Match this year. Again, no Test Match at no. Edge Baston, so... Well that's something to watch, I don't want to sound like we're getting our excuses in for England early, but it's certainly, uh, well I think what you want to see from every Test Ground is, is character. We saw that in the winter with somewhere like Perth, uh, perhaps England might want to get back that way with some of their Test Grounds as well. Uh, we have made a few predictions, as we mentioned. Highest run scorer for each team, uh, highest wicket taker, and also a surprise package we've got. Mike, do you want to go first? Yes, I'll go lead the way. Uh, so, just starting with England, uh, if I had a spare 50p in my pocket, I'd probably say I'd go for Root, uh, run scorer. I think he's a bit more settled now at five. He knows that he's going to be five for the series. Uh, he's in form coming off 200 at Lord's. Um, he's a good player of spin, good player of seam. I think you know the Indians will be bowling a lot of spin. You've mentioned Ashwin and Jadeja. I'm sure they'll get a lot of overs. And I just think, think Roots, Root will will churn out some good good solid runs for us and really sort of put his hand up and almost lead that middle order, which is which is what what he needs to do. So I'm going Root top runs, wickets broad, 
Uh, it's got a history of doing well against India. Uh, my only question mark about Broad is if he can stay fit, fit throughout the five tests. I think Anderson, of course, Anderson's always going to be up there in, a, in any uh, top wicket takers for a series, but I'm just going to go with Broad, a little bit different. Struggled a little bit, a surprise package for the England squad, because we kind of know them so much. So I've looked at it from another point of view, a surprise package uh, somebody India won't have seen of too much, and I've gone for Plunkett. Uh, they won't have seen too much of him in, in the test arena, certainly not recently, uh, just just from the Sri Lanka, couple of Sri Lanka tests. Uh, you know, if somebody hits the deck card, you'll he, trouble them. I'm sure though, I'm sure England will certainly uh, employ some short ball tactics throughout the series. I'm, uh, I know in the past they've bounced uh, Suresh Raina out a few times. They might might be looking to do that. So I've gone Plunkett as a surprise package uh, for the Indians. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I'll go with mine. Uh, leading wicket-taker, Bhuvaneswar Kumar for the Indians. Uh, I think opening the bowling, well, there's certainly doubts over Cook, isn't there? And, and Rob's still, Robson's still kind of new to the international scene. He should enjoy bowling in England, from what I've seen of him. If he's if he's bowling up into the 80s, in terms of mile an hour, he'll probably have a similar effect to, say, a Kula Sekera, um or some other bowlers that had success as well in this country. Um, I mean, it'll be a tough one, because I think if the ball gets older, talking about his second spells, he might find it harder to come back and might be punished. But I can see him taking a lot of early wickets, actually, and hopefully not, but he might be behind a few England collapses. Um, I've gone for Liam Plunkett as my leading wicket-taker. I think a, a big test for the Indians, a young Indian side, will be how they play the shorter, quicker stuff, which he's, we presume his role in the team is to dish that out. Um, they'll get a lot of it, and I think some of them will be up to it, actually. Um, but I also think some of them won't. Um, so I hopefully think he'll take a few wickets, and there is still a lot of question marks, as you said, over Broad and Anderson's fitness, their ability to sustain it over... Over a series of five test matches without a spinner like Swan taking a lot of uh, the responsibility off them. Um, che Pajara is my leading run scorer for India. I think, as I said, there's a bit of a question mark over some of their batsmen. Um, I still think Vijay, Darwan, uh, even Rohit Sharma may struggle in England. Uh, but I think Pajara just has a little bit of extra class. I remember uh, 100 he scored in the first test match against England in India last time we toured over there. And I think he may adapt to our conditions. And I've also gone for Joe Root. Many of the same reasons that you said, um, but in particular how well he plays spin and the fact that a little bit of the pressure has been taken off him with him batting slightly more in the middle of the order. Surprise package, I've already mentioned him today. Sorry to keep going on about him, but Chris Wokes. I think it's inevitable, even with his form, he'll probably play a test match this summer just because of the fitness questions over the bowlers. If he comes in, the Indians won't have seen much of him um, and they perhaps won't even appreciate his quality with the red ball in hand. And I've gone for Ajinka Rihani as well. Without a, without a spinner in the England side, and potentially with him batting at six, depending how they go with their order, uh, he might not even play it, of course. But if he does bat there, he might be able to take advantage of the fact that there's no quality spinner in the England side. Um, just the off-spinner, Moeen Ali, he's obviously a right-hand batsman. Um, and he might be able to put pay to some of the England attack once once they're uh, a little bit tired. He's got a lot of shots. Uh, he's perhaps a bit of a well, he's a bit lucky to kind of go in the shadows of some of their bigger names that are coming through. Um, but this might be a series where he really makes his name uh, for the Indian Test side. Yeah, one thing about Rahani as well, from what I've seen, if he's going to score runs, he'll score quickly. Which, yeah, uh, always always helps. Bloke at number six. Uh, so from an Indian 
from the Indian team, I've gone again runs same as you, Tom Pujara. Uh, yeah. Similar reasons. I, I just I look at him batting, and I think that he really values his wicket. Uh, compared to a, a Darwin, I think Darwin might be a little bit loose to open the batting sometimes, and I could see Anderson really getting on top of Darwin and potentially him not not playing the full series, but. He just looks compact, values his wicket, and I think he he will score runs. Pajara, uh, top wicket taker. I've gone Mohammed Shami. Uh, he bowls at a good pace, quite a, sort of a heavy ball. It looks like he bowls and he, he moves it both ways. Um, you mentioned Kumar. I thought about Kumar. I just think Shami's more of a threat, a uh, bit with that bit more pace about him. Uh, and they, the Indians have got Varun Aaron in the squad. I'm not sure how much he will play, but I think that Shami's got a bit more control, Aaron still seems a bit raw, um, I've seen him again with the Indians, the, the most the most experience I've got from watching these Indian teams play and these Indian lads is from the IPL, yeah. which is obviously a, a lot different, but he can go around the park a little bit, Aaron he seems to have great control, uh, Shami's averaging under 30 after six tests, picking up wickets, did well in New Zealand, mm. you know, it could be similar sort of conditions to, to what they had in New Zealand, so I've gone Shami. Um, uh, my surprise package, I was surprised to see this name in the squad in the first place. Um, again, only only come across him from the IPL, and that's Stuart Binney. I uh, thought he was bit, bits and pieces 2020 player, to be honest, but seems to have done well in the warm-ups. Uh, he's got an 80-odd, picked up some wickets, and I think if he plays, then he might surprise a few of the English lads who just won't know much about him, so yeah. I've, gone, I've gone Binney. Potentially making his... Potentially would make his test debut at the age of 30 as well. Seems yeah. like a kind of different way for the Indians to go about things. But he does give them a bit of experience as well. Help MS Dhoni out in the side as well. Mm -hmm. um, one thing we kind of were just chatting about off air was the potential repercussions from this series. We talked about it last week. Um, I think it all, well after this, it will have meant that the new Peter Moore's regime will have had seven tests in charge. And you can certainly find yourself in more of a comfortable position to comment on, on their relative successes or failures in that time after that. Quite amazingly as well, the next test match after this series um, isn't until the 21st of May 2015, um, when the New Zealanders tour here, um, which really means there's going to be a big hangover from this series, whether England win or lose. Yeah, it's... I think, I think this... It, series is so important for so many different ways the obvious you just open the paper today you look on the front page of the sports website it's all about cook it's still all about cook if england can get a win cook can get some runs suddenly that's not talked about till may next year mm. in the other, if he doesn't then he's struggling does he does he stay in the odi side there's a lot of guys putting their hands up in domestic cricket at the minute the likes of Roy Hales we've talked about who you know with a lot yeah. of one day cricket coming up over the next six months will potentially get that chance to go in the top of the order and Matt Pryor as well the kind of uh, the kind of settled view from a lot of people in the know at the minute is that Joss Butler and Johnny Bairstow as understudies aren't quite ready to step into his shoes in test cricket but he has struggled as of late if he wasn't to really re-nail down his spot this series then um, with a lot of one-day international cricket to be played. Those rumours about Joss Butler being favourited to take over his spot, they're not going to go away, are they? No, definitely not. I think the best thing for England can be is get back on track. And I, 
I actually think looking at the Indian team, they've got they've got quality throughout their side, but there's nobody I look at and I think, well, I'm sort of a bit wary of them. The Sri Lankans, obviously, Joe Warden and Sangakara, they're the two big wickets. I'm sure the Indian fans back home, with a lot more faith in them, Estonia's captain, will have similar kind of worries about their team and similar kind of um, apprehensions about how a young side go on. Not that I think we have many Indian listeners, to be honest. Uh, you never, you never, never, you know, never know. You never know, yeah. Send us a tweet if you are listening. <laughs> Uh, around the world, um, but otherwise, of course, it all gets it all gets going on Wednesday. There's a bit of dodgy weather around uh, these parts, so hopefully that doesn't have too much of an effect. Because it would be great to see. Um, well, I think a lot of us are all in favour of five test series, really, aren't we? Definitely, yeah. So it would be great yeah. to see a, a lot of cricket and well, not certain, so certainly weather, a test series of an odd number, an even numbered test series. Obviously, yeah. is a bit odd, you know. Yeah. So, especially if if it finishes one all or something. Yeah. So hopefully, we'll have plenty to chat about next week and see what's going on there. When we come back, we're gonna we're gonna note our five teenagers to watch in world cricket. Not the five best um, necessarily, because that's obviously quite a subjective thing to do at that age. Uh, but just five that have caught our eye from different countries around the world. Uh, please join us again in a second. Thanks for staying with us. Not long to go now. Um, as I mentioned, we'll be going through our five teenagers to watch in world cricket. Three that have particularly caught my eye, and two that have caught yours, Mike. One thing uh, that was quite noticeable. Um, picking through these is the way you kind of come to know about these young lads the way they get exposed in world cricket yes an under 19 world cup which we've watched which is great that the ICC is a host broadcaster and also Sky in this country um, that they show that so they can showcase their talents under a pressure environment of television cameras around but we also see a lot of them through 2020 cricket around the world as well wouldn't have happened 10-20 years ago they're getting the exposure yeah. about against top level cricketers whether it be in the IPL here in the domestic competition or other places like the Big Bash. Um, and that's kind of how, how they've come to our attention. The first one's uh, a guy that's very, well, he's very young in his professional career. I think he's only played a handful of first-class games. Um, but he's very young in his Bangladesh career as well. Taskin Ahmed, who I've had a look at on TV a few times. 5-28 against India in a one-day international in June this, this year. Um, and he's only just turned 19. One thing I'd say about that is Bangladesh have a history of giving a chance to a lot of young players might he develop that's the big question yeah I can remember a couple of young Bangladeshi seamers burst on Mashravi Mataza yeah. burst on that's, yeah Rubel Hussain as yeah, well so a bit of a history of injuries picking up injuries and not quite returning yeah, and how young was Mushfika Rahim as well 16 or 17 when he made his debut I mean he's a trusted performer now for yeah, him obviously captain, captain but yeah. He's not perhaps developed into the real world-class performer Bangladesh are crying out for. No. Um, you've picked someone you've seen in the IPL as well? Yeah, a guy but burst onto the IPL last season. A young 19-year-old now, plays the Rajasthan Royals, that's Sanju Samson. And any follower of the IPL will bound to have heard about him. He's a few hashtags about Sanju, weren't they? There was definitely, yeah. It was um, you know, keeped wicket as well, so... You know, inevitably, a few calls saying he's the next Dhoni. The, he bats top top three, and he's done done really well. I've, I've I've seen him a few times. Didn't get to see quite as much as the IPL this year as I did last year, but from what I did see, so consistently scoring runs, good uh, at a good rate. And I think he's getting a go in the Indian A team. So yeah. definitely one to to watch for the future. I'm sure we'll see him. Uh, Next time India over here, I'm sure San, San, uh, Sanju Sampson won't be won't be a name far away from that squad. Yeah, I think uh, 
we'll put our hands up and say we're kind of guilty of picking people here that we've only seen once or twice. That's just the nature of it. It's mm -hmm. only a bit of fun. One guy that, wow, he, he really, you really couldn't ignore him if you're watching that under-19 World Cup. Nicholas Puran of the West Indies. He's had a bit of a go with Trinidad and Tobago recently, just finding his feet in the Caribbean. But quite spectacularly, he made 148 versus Australia under-19s in the quarter-final of that World Cup. I can't think of the exact total West Indies made, but I think that 143 was out of a total of barely a few more than 200. Came in at about 60 for 4, 80 for 5, 100 for 7, 8. And, uh, wow, some of his hitting was quite amazing. Um, again, though, another country that you really hope can capture his talent and turn it into something a bit more substantial at the, at the senior level. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what route he goes. Obviously, the West Indians have a, have a few talented youngsters who decide that they can get more money and live the dream more of a one-day specialist, 2020 specialist. So be interesting to see if, in Puran's case, how motivated he is with Test cricket. Yeah, talking about a youngster stepping up to the senior side, someone you picked from South Africa has just been picked for an A-tour to Australia. Yeah, it's Kigiso Rabada, 19-year-old left-arm seamer, and he looks pretty quick. Yeah. I've seen him on TV a couple of times, yeah. he looked quick, he... Sorted some couple of guys out in the under nineteen World Cup with some some short bowling. I think he took uh, where did where are we? Yes, he took fourteen wickets in that World Cup at an average of ten point two eight. Yeah, uh, as South Africa obviously won the World Cup. I think he was named Player of the Tournament as well. Big tall guy. Obviously, still got some growing to do. So left arm and never hurts as well. It does. It? Left arm is always you know always about picking up wickets. So it'll be really interesting to keep an eye on him over the, yeah. the next couple of years because I think he uh, he will definitely be a name name for the future. Yeah, Ben McDermott. I've picked from Australia. Um, Wicketkeeper batsman Sung of Craig, of course, under the Layman regime. He is the bowling coach of Australia. Also, uh, brother of the talented Alison McDermott, who's been playing in the Big Bash as well. I actually saw him live in Australia playing for Brisbane Heat. Um, scored a quick 30-35 to really get them to a useful total. Um, and he was facing the likes of Kane Richardson and Sean Tate at the Adelaide Oval. The kind of players that um, even even the kind of foreign players, the established professionals were, were struggling to face. And he just came out, all the modern shots, scoops, uh, hooking them off his nose. He batted brilliantly, and again, I've only seen him once, but he's certainly certainly one to watch out for. Um, five of them there, I imagine some of them will come good. They weren't they weren't kind of too hard to pick with their showings in the Under-19 World Cup, uh, but something to quite watch out for if the bowling attack's still going in five or ten years' time, Mike? Yes, well, <laughs> we'll be still scraping the barrel there, I'm sure. Yeah, OK, well, we've got a few more things to talk about when we come back. Uh, the 2020 Blast. We mentioned Flintoff coming back today as well. Um, and a great performance by Jason Moy, who seems to be championed by uh, KP and some of his friends. Um, as well as a, a controversy from an ex-England captain on commentary this week as well, which I'm sure everyone's heard about. So as I mentioned, uh, the Flintoff return, I think two for 36 off his four overs um, is nine and over, but actually represented quite a good comeback considering that they had to put a lid on a, well, what looked like a, a chance to chase down 220, a record score in English domestic cricket, I think. Um, what did you make of Flintoff? It obviously wasn't just headline grabbing yeah, to put on so, seats. So yeah, that's what I, my thoughts last week were, so I have to have a slice of humble pie there. Um, yeah, I... If he, if he did come back, I was reading an article the other day saying that that 
people were thinking that his his return game would be a home game. Sellout crowd at Old Trafford, Flintoff returns sort of headline headline writer's dream, but came back today and he did, he did well. He didn't didn't get the bat, wasn't needed. I think was he down to bat at seven or eight. Yeah, so at least uh, the uh, old fire was still burning as well. I saw a send off for one of the young Worcestershire batsmen. Yeah, I think uh, t- telling telling him who's boss. I think he. Uh, did he tweet? I think he tweeted, uh, comebacks are like sex, a lot better the second time round. So uh, so that probably sums up his mood this evening. So no, I'm yeah. glad, glad he's done well. And uh, with, the, well, with them going strong as well, it could end as a bit of a fairy tale at finals day. That's it, Lancashire look like they're going to certainly get it, secure a quarter final in the next week or so. So God, they've got some power hitting in that attack. Butler, a strike rate of 200 today. Everyone knows about Butler. And ironically, it seems we've got Somerset are missing. I mean, I know you always you don't miss him till he's gone, but now he has gone. They seem to be missing that lower order power hitting. That's right. They've got you know Somerset have got big top order. Got Triscothic and Keyesworth. Keyesworth again more runs today, but as soon as he was gone, they sort of they didn't. After a good start, they didn't go on, and I think they they uh, eventually lost again today. Somerset. So so yeah, no, I think Lancashire Lancashire looks like they'll be. Going all the way, and Flintoff could be uh, putting his putting his name up for some Caribbean Premier League and some Bangladesh <laughs> Premier League money. Yeah, Jason Roy as well uh, on Sky Television cameras about eighty or fifty balls, I think, in a successful chase against Kent this week. A lot of people, albeit the likes of Kevin Peterson, Shane Warne, who might not exactly be pulling the strings with the England selectors at the minute, but they are calling for him to be in that England T Twenty side, maybe the one day side. He really did look like he's capable of taking that step up, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. And as we as we discussed, there's a lot of one day cricket. I think we've got Sri Lanka series and then tri series just after Christmas, then the World Cup. So, I think I, I imagine England will take quite a big squad and give everybody a go before the World Cup. And Roy's yeah. bound to be on that list of names um, coming in at the top of the order. Yeah, just a bit especially of explosion. with Cook playing a lot of cricket, a lot of pressure on him. You never know what's going to happen with that top order, and I think it's a real compliment for Roy that he's standing out in that Surrey team because that Surrey team is, well, it's a marquee team, really, isn't it? It's very different to their championship side with the likes of Dilshan, uh, Kevin O'Brien, KP himself in it. A lot of people have played cricket around the world as well. Yeah, uh, and good to see Roy scoring runs as I made him captain my fancy team yeah. this week. So I, I noticed Tom hasn't put down the fancy team uh, <laughs> this week because I think I've had a a pretty good week and have charged in yeah. front, so I wasn't surprised to I see that. I think our good friend Matt Hallett's beating both of us, though, so yeah. um, maybe you can guess. Yeah, we'd like to get Matt, Matt involved one week. So yeah. hopefully. Well, we have spoken about guests guests on our podcast. Uh, I don't know if a few of them listen. That would have to be one qualification. They have to have at least listened to one episode and put them through that hell to feature. Uh, so maybe Matt, if you're listening. Otherwise, Dexter Purser, I know, wanted to have a guest role. Not quite sure if his cricketing knowledge is up to it, but um, nice quote. Actually, Dexter Purse with a quote in the in the yeah. Telegraph Sport this today. So maybe uh, he's he's ahead of us anyway. Well, I've spoken about my uh, my obvious journalistic ambitions, um, and one thing this weekend's taught me is that if if Dexter can get his name in a uh, in a national Sunday broadsheet, then anyone can. <laughs> so thanks for listening, Dexter, and we might see you next week. Uh, that's all we've got time for on the twenty twenty this week. But uh, one kind of mouth-watering thing with Surrey going well, with Langshire going well. Uh, Flint off to KP on finals day, maybe? Oh, written in the stars. Yeah, the the, the script the stars. writers there. Um, 
There's also been a bit in the news about players leaving Derbyshire as well. I mean, this is the kind of time of the show where we're discussing a few serious topics mm-hmm. and ultimately speculation is all we can really we can really say, not being in the know. Um, but it certainly seems like there's a few weird things going on after Carl Cricken left after he'd done a good job. Yeah, for the I, I imagine the Derbyshire check, dressing room has been a difficult place the first half of the season with the, obviously the devastating news of Tom Poynton losing his father and the, the car crash and everything that's gone with that so it, 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 I can't imagine it's been a, a great place to be and I think was it Moore has retired immediately yeah, yeah. and uh, Richard Johnson Richard Johnson bought himself out of his contract yeah, I think. Um, Burgoyne as yeah, well so. so I mean we don't know what's behind it I know the chairman's come out with a few emotional tweets this week about the fans needing to back the Derbyshire team uh, and kind of trying to put some explanations about why Tim Grohnbowl has been allowed to go off to Somerset um, but yeah, we'll certainly th- see how things play out there. They're going to have to give a go to some of their younger players as well, I think, in in the last few months of this season. Um, another kind of serious topic that we might as well address for a second or two: Lou Vincent. He's made a statement about, um, well, basically admitting his cheating. He supposedly told everything to the authorities, whether that's as a uh, as a kind of gesture of goodwill or having been backed into a corner with indisputable proof over his head. I'm not too sure. Um, but it would be interesting to see if the authorities can kind of get to the bottom of this murky world. Yeah, this story's annoyed me a little bit this week. Um, Lou Vincent's PR man is obviously doing a good job for him. I think coming out, and, you know, I've, I've watched some. I, 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 I couldn't sit through all of his uh, his plea. Uh, yeah. But I think the Oscar nominations. Well, exactly. You know, um, the way the way he was coming across is. Is um, you know, almost playing the the innocent, not the innocent card, no. but the uh, the oh, I'm, I'm remorseful. I'm really sorry, you know. Yeah. Uh, but I'm sorry if you've done this, and it sounds like it wasn't a one-off thing. You've kind of you've got to disappear into the background and stop. You know, the headlines are now gone for you. I'm afraid. Yeah, the mentions of his mental health problems as well. It's obviously a conflict between. Um, his mental health problems and his his kind of guilty plea here. You don't really want to see those two things mixed up, to be honest. Um, And, yeah, definitely trying to pull on the heartstrings. But the important thing is the authorities have a lot more knowledge than they probably would have had a few months ago, whatever the reasons behind that may be. Um, One one thing that's slightly serious, but also I think we certainly took a little laugh at it this week, Uh, Andrew Strauss dropping the uh, the C word on Sky Television yeah, and the MCC 200 years. I don't know what WG would have made of that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, um, well, I haven't... Uh, I've seen a little clip of it from Fox Sport, obviously with the, uh, with the offending word bleeped out. I think in terms of the apology, the word grovel springs to mind. Oh, yeah. Um, is he apolog- <laughs> is he apologising for what he's saying or is he apologising? You know what for- really annoys me most of all about it. It's not that he believes that, or really even though he said that. Although it's obviously not ideal that he's saying words like that on daytime television or television at all, especially when he's supposed to be impartial. It's more to do with the fact that he seems to come across with such a impartial view most of the time, and he's not not kind of committed to his views on old teammates. And yet, obviously, behind the scenes, he's saying all these honest things to his to his co-commentators. As fans, you'd like to think what you hear on the commentary is also what they say between themselves. Um, 
maybe should have apologised for the word. Should he apologise to Kevin for having that view? Well, I'm not too sure, to be honest. I think if players don't like each other, past or present, I don't really have a problem with that. And do you think do you think he'll be in the commentary box on Wednesday for the first test, or will will <laughs> will Sky have to take some action because they'd be well within their rights to? Um... They would. I think. Uh, well, I think there's a lot being made about the fact that Andrew Strauss is well liked by uh, the hierarchy at the ECB and perhaps in turn with Sky as well. So it wouldn't be surprise me if he. Uh, well, especially with his quick apology as well, it wouldn't surprise me if things ended there. But you can't help but think that if it was someone, you know, kind of without the expert opinion of him, or if even Kevin was in the commentary box himself, whether it would have been taken so lightly. Mm. Um, when we come back anyway, uh, getting away from that, you won't be saying any four-letter words, hopefully beginning with C, Browner? No, not hopefully not. usually get those out on the pitch on a Saturday. Yeah. So. Uh, but we'll come back with some more county uh, championship predictions. I'll be taking on Div 1 again. Mike, you'll be taking on Division 2. Yep. Right, I'm going to start off with my Division 1 fixtures. Uh, those of you that follow cricket closer than us might have realised that some of them have actually started today. So I think Mike in particular has got a bit of a... Well, you've got a bit of a few... It's made it a bit easier for you, basically. First of all, for me, I've gone for um, Sussex to beat North Ants. I just think all round they look like the stronger outfit. Obviously, uh, North Ants have been struggling this season so far. As we talk on Sunday evening... Sussex are 319 for six, so a good little start there. Uh, I'll just check who's got runs for Sussex. Luke Wright, 100 actually, um, which was interesting after seeing him get a first ball in the 2020 the other day. Uh, a good player to watch actually. Um, so with the Northants bowlers struggling there, I think uh, the likes of McGoffin, James Treadwell as well on loan from Kent might might kind of he playing so I just noticed he was back at Kent last week yeah well he's, he's not out at the minute so oh, okay yeah, he must have gone back I think a, did he play the 2020 for, for yeah he did yeah so it's yeah. okay he's obviously gone back between the two so I don't I don't know how motivated he is to move prove a point to either Kent or the England selectors yeah. I, I presume quite a lot yeah, if he's gone out so. there to actually make the loan at that stage of his mm-hmm. career um, so they might toil away and, and have some effect my other games, uh, which haven't actually started yet, we've got Middlesex, Somerset at Uxbridge. I'm not too afraid with the pitches at Uxbridge, but I seem to remember a few high-scoring games. I'm going to go for a draw there just to get my draw in this week. A mm. um, couple of strong strong batting lineups, bit of weather around, um, and some flat pitches coming around county cricket at the minute. Uxbridge as well, we might have another chief executive's wicket um, with the club wanting to make a bit of money behind the bar. And not surprisingly, Yorkshire flying... Flying high in Div 1. I've gone for them to beat Durham this week. Strong strong bowling attack as usual. Even in reserve, they've got a lot of stocks there. I think if they put the runs on the board with even Aaron Finch uh, doing well in well mainly actually the Red, yeah. red Bull game. Uh, they've got a bit of batting there, even with those that are away for England. Uh, what about you in Division 2, Mike? Well, as they say, I've got a... Well, hopefully it should be a fairly easy start. Glamorgan, sorry... After day one, Glamorgan, 232 all out, and Surrey, 121 for Norton reply. So it won't surprise many of you, but sure. I'll go for Surrey, actually, in that one. Um, looks like Tremlett, five for today. Uh, and also another young lad who I've been very impressed with this season, Tom Curran with four. So looks like Surrey well in the ascendancy then. Yeah. Um, Derby-Essex, mentioned both these teams already. Derby struggling, not 
not quite sure what's going on there. Essex coming off the back of a big win, so I'm going to go Essex again. Yeah. Hampshire, Gloucester. Hampshire got away with one a bit last week, probably. Um, you know, second in the league. Surrey as well, pushing them tight. Surrey are coming up. Uh, so if Hampshire got uh, aspirations to get back into Division 1, which I'm sure they have, then I think they'll be motivated and they'll beat uh, Gloucester. And Leicester, Kent, Leicester, rock bottom. Look like they're struggling. Uh, Kent, yeah. Kent aren't doing much better. They probably there was a team that looked like disappointed. Really, I was thinking Kent should be there or thereabouts, but they don't tend to to do it. They've got, they've got some good young players, Bell Drummond, um, or keepers' names, uh, Billings. Billings, Sam Billings. Yeah, yeah. So, although he batted a bit oddly the other night. When I saw yeah, him, so obviously um, he. They've got some good young players at Kent, and I think uh, Kent will beat Leicester. So I'm not going for any draws again. That'd be a bit of weather about, but you know, need to get even further in front of Tom on my prediction. So I've gone for the four victories. Yeah, well, it's still early doors, and as I've said, you've had a bit of help this week. Um, that is all we've got time for. Uh, as I look down at my recorder, 48 minutes this time. Well done if you stuck with us. If you wanted the special 23, managed to shave uh, 10 off there. I think so. Yeah. So um, hopefully we can beat our 25 listeners this time. So you're going to have to do at least 15 listens, and I'll have to do about 20 as well. That's it. I have to get all the family involved as well this week. I think. Yeah. Uh, big week of cricket coming up, as we've mentioned. We'll be reviewing that first test next week. You'll obviously be streaming at work when you're pretending to work hard, I imagine. Uh, wouldn't do and dream of anything of the, of the sort. I'll be watching the highlights package at 7pm when okay. I get home. Uh, another thing that's worth mentioning, I have been putting this up on my blog and on Twitter. If for some strange reason you have seen it, feel free to retweet it. Or if, if for some reason you wanted to ask us any questions or get involved, you could reach us our Twitter handles. Mine's at TomGrundy1991. Uh, and my friend here, Mike, his is at uh, browner underscore 23. Good job you've got that there, because I'm not sure I'd have remembered that. No, uh, having to read your tweets, though, is never never an exciting thing to do on a Sunday evening. Yeah, and I just on on that, uh, on that, just like to let everybody know that, that my tweets are my own opinion and nothing to do with the Bowling Attack franchise <laughs> as a podcast. Okay, and as I said, we might have a guest, uh, we might have a guest next week, so if there's anyone out there, friends of ours or otherwise, Dexter, this is for you feel free to join us. Thanks again, guys. Have a good week. Cheers, guys. See ya.